What's up, gamer? Welcome to Friday, start of the weekend. He's here in the U.S. So if you didn't see, yesterday Passions put out an episode talking about the PlayStation Plus collection, its removal from PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation Store, and what what could have possibly be done have been done differently. Could games have been added to it? Should it have gone away at all? So check that episode out. It's pretty good. I, I highly recommend you go go and give it a listen. So today, I want to talk about a couple of big topic issues. Uh, a couple of things on my mind today are obviously The Last of Us. Uh, continuing to talk about the, the TV show and issues surrounding it. Things to applaud. The larger cultural landscape. I also wanted to talk about video game adaptations and whether or not video games are looking toward becoming adapted into TV and movies, or are they, you know, staying video games. So I'll, I'll expand upon that a little bit more later in the show, but for now, let's talk about the day before. So if you don't remember, the day before was teased a year, no, it was two years ago, probably, by this point, if not longer. The day before is allegedly a post-apocalyptic MMO. So, think The Division, Tom Clancy's The Division, with zombies. Okay? So, your whole goal is to collect resources, build a base, etc., etc., and you'll run across different zones in this city... Very much like The Division. It has been years, years since we saw any evidence whatsoever of this game. And finally, yesterday, we got something out of it. We got a 10-minute gameplay trailer showing off kind of the environment, the crafting system, forging around what appears to be dynamic lighting. So... Interesting, interesting stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. For the first 30 seconds to a minute, all I could think was ass. Because they put they put the main character that you're watching, they put her in the tightest freaking yoga pants that I've ever seen in my life. That, that shit is hugging that ass so tightly, like a warm mother's embrace. It's, it's weird. I... Why you would wear leggings in, a, in an apocalyptic situation, I don't know. But that's what they chose to go with. Immediately after that, I noticed, or possibly before, I noticed that she's wearing a backpack that's very similar to what Ellie wears in The Last of Us. It also visually looks very similar to The Last of Us. Kind of that realistic uh, Play-Doh-looking animation if if you get my drift like it's realistic but it's not realistic there's something like that clues you in that these people are not real it's not going for hyper realism uh but regardless it looks it looks super polished the crafting system looks very in-depth zombies look easy to kill and pretty sparse uh i'm not sure if the other person that's in the video is a player character or if it's an npc it makes no 
attempt at telling you that. I also don't know. The world is pretty empty. Uh, I don't know how that would change with a, with the MMO aspect of it. And we, you know, we didn't see any base building or anything like that. Is it looks like it looked like a melding of of the division and the Last of Us, like like we talked about. So it's it looks pretty ambitious. I don't know how they're going to pull off everything that they are showing in this trailer. It's possible. I just don't. I just don't really see it. Uh, I mean, if the environment is as empty as it looks, then I suppose that is more realistic. But if they're saying they're going to fill it with like zombie hordes and 10,000 players or whatever, I, I just don't, I don't really see it. Also, I, I don't know how the crafting would work out. If you, if you throw a bunch of people into these servers, are, is, are all the resources going to regenerate? over a certain period of time? Are they just going to be super limited and you're going to get like whoever can dump the most amount of time into this thing is going to have the most resources? I don't know. Some of these questions aren't answered and it, it they're kind of essential to the gameplay. They're claiming that it's going to be out in November. So this being the first real bit of news that we've seen in a, in a long, long time, I, I don't, I don't know. I hope that it's, everything that they're showing i really do because it looks if it is everything that they're promising in essence or implying that is going to be there then it looks like it's going to be a really fantastic game really fun game but i just i don't know a lot of people are also skeptical about what has been shown to us so fingers crossed couple of other quick news items here. Uh, it looks like, if you remember Knockout City, it was a dodgeball-looking battle royale. That is being shut down after two years. So on June 6th of this year, you'll no longer be able to play it. It is going to be wiped from all of the servers. I, I don't understand the logic behind this but they're the studio is saying they've got quote a jam-packed season nine full of all the amazing new content you've come to expect an epic send-off both in-game in and out of the game <clears throat> and even a private server version on pc so knockout city can live on forever i i mean i don't really see the point in putting a bunch of content out that's only good for four months at this point but to each their own at least there's going to be a private version of it. I, got, I, don't, I don't know what private necessarily means uh, in this context because it's not particularly private. You just won't be able to buy it anymore, right, or play it. So I don't know if you're going to get a token if you bought the game to access this server or what. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, uh, but... We'll follow it a little bit. At least the game will live for a while. It's just not going to get any more updates. And speaking of things that aren't going to get any more updates, we are talking about Back for Blood, because that has been left for dead. That's the pun. 
that's the pun here, in Games Radar. It's been left for dead by Turtle Rock, the developer. So they're not working on any more content for Back for Blood. They're moving on to some other some other title. So there you go. I mean, I, Left for Dead wasn't really that much of a game to begin with. It was just kind of a quick time killer. Back for Blood, I didn't get to play it because my internet connection is so bad. But it, it's it's not a game that had a lot of staying power to begin with, at least in my mind. It was meant to be quick, fun little episodes or sessions, and that was it. So, moving on from Back for Blood. Apparently, Hogwarts Legacy is the best-selling game on PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC pre-launch. It is getting so much traction, so much traction, and irritating the living hell out of journalists who would rather see it not exist because of somebody who has nothing to do with the game. So I just want to throw that in there and uh and and just to just to throw it in there. Just to throw that in there that everything that we expect out of this is going to happen. It's going to be a massive, massive game and it's probably going to be mm, I don't know if it's going to be in the running for game of the year, but it, I mean it's going to be Big news for quite a while, that's for sure. Okay, let's talk about video games and TV and movie adaptations. So I was on Reddit, I'm scrolling around looking for looking for different things to talk about, and it occurred to me that I ran across a post asking uh, what you would like to see adapted into a TV movie, and it was kind of a generic question, but it did trigger in my mind something that was more interesting. The more interesting question is, is this, are we reaching an era where video game developers have an eye toward TV and movie adaptations? That is to say, are they developing games in such a way that they're more watchable than playable? So, think God of War Ragnarok. I know Squirrelly was complaining that every 30 seconds was a cutscene. The Last of Us, also very cinematic. Death Stranding, very cinematic. Very, very cinematic. So, I was thinking to myself, you know, with streamers in particular, and with the industry kind of... Uh, there, was, there was some controversy about whether or not you should be able to stream games at all and i i don't remember there was somebody attached to a major developer that posed that question on twitter and he got blasted he got seriously blasted but because and i did this with the last of us 2 myself because a lot of people would rather watch the game than play the game our developers making it more watchable you know where you can sit down and watch a one and a half hour gameplay session and feel like you're watching a movie. And then as a side bonus, it's easier to adapt to TV or movie. Is that what's actually happening or am I kind of off my rocker and they're trying to expand the medium into kind of a, a an interactive TV show? 
or is that what they're doing? Now, for my money, I think they are aiming at TV and movie adaptations because you can reach a wider audience through TV and movies. I mean, obviously, in addition to the games, because if you build in that fan base, like with Halo or The Last of Us or The Witcher, if you have a built-in fan base around a video game that anybody can pick up and play and interact with, and then you turn it into a TV series or a movie that people who don't game can then interact with, I mean, you get income from two sides. You also have more ability to create merch surrounding the thing like you do with traditional TV and movies. So I really, I think that the games industry is moving toward, has an eye toward making TV adaptations out of their games rather than them just being games, which is potentially good and bad because you're going to end up with stories that are, can be adapted to a real-life setting. Which is, on the one hand, cool. Because we're going to get more interesting media in TV and movies. If that's what they're doing. The problem is... You potentially run across a situation where you're not going to get... Creative games like... Like Knockout City. Or like High on Life. Or, or Hi-Fi Rush. Which is what I've been playing recently. You can't make adaptations out of those games. You just can't. They're pure video games. So if the industry is moving in this direction, we're going to get less or fewer pure video games, is what I'm going to call them, and more cinematic games. At least that's my concern. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just potentially a loss of creative thought which concerns me a little bit but that's just my opinion i posted on reddit we'll see what the internet thinks is actually happening uh if anybody responds to me so (laughs) but it was it was an interesting kind of thought experiment for for me because if video games are turning into interactive movies and TV series, it, it raises the importance of the storytelling and the writing. And because the importance of the storytelling and the writing go up, then you need to talk about the content because they're becoming more and more because the, the content is what is going to sustain it. You can have visual spectacles like Transformers or the MCU, but at the end of the day, what sustains stories is obviously the story. So what what actually is the story? And it, it circles back to The Last of Us because the story is just good. And I, I'm going to tell a little story of my own. To kind of relate to this. So last night Robin and I went out to see the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, Knock at the Cabin. Which M. Night Shyamalan is one of my favorite. If not my favorite uh, writers and directors in Hollywood. He's 
his movies just entertain me. I just I I enjoy them. A lot of people don't, but I I thoroughly enjoy them. So we're watching this, and it features it features a gay couple, and that doesn't necessarily matter, except in this context. At the end of the movie, there was a a scene where they're embracing each other, and you know, at the end when we're driving back home, Robin and I were talking about it, and it it made Robin uncomfortable to 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 watch it. But she couldn't place her finger on it, and it wasn't because it wasn't because they were gay or anything. It was just it made her uncomfortable. So I, so it led down this this path that is worth exploring and also uncomfortable to talk about. So the. I, I told her that it's possible that she felt that maybe it was forced or, you know, it, it felt unnatural in some way. And I said, I, I said the opposite. I said that perhaps she felt uncomfortable because it was, it's a moment that you wouldn't intrude upon if it were in real life. And so it was uncomfortable to stay there and like be behind the camera and be like forced to be part of this this moment that you wouldn't normally be part of. And I said, you know, story wise, it didn't feel unnatural to me. It didn't feel like it was forced. It felt like a, like a, the natural progression and the natural reaction between these two characters. Um, but I'm willing to concede that like, I, I just, I personally do not, find it comfortable to watch gay characters. I, I just don't. And I know that's a hot take. Everybody should be comfortable watching it, right? Or whatever. I just, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't enjoy watching it. It's not something that, <laughs> that I go out of my way to see. So, uh, and it, it's, I, I get the same kind of sense, uh, in different scenes that Robin got, right? It's when the, whenever there's intimacy between two characters, it makes me vaguely uncomfortable because it's like, I shouldn't be part of this. I shouldn't be like watching this unfold. It's, it's a low level discomfort. Uh, and then it's heightened if they're, if they happen to be gay, just because I, I have no desire to see it. Um, which, Circles to The Last of Us. So The Last of Us, episode three, focuses on Bill and Frank. They're a gay couple, right, that survived the apocalypse. Artistically and story-wise, it was, a, it was a good story. It was a good story. I, Robin was super emotionally invested into it. She, you know, she was saying throughout the story how cute they were and how much they loved each other, and she, she was super into it. And I... I can agree that it was it was written very well and it was a it's a good love story. I just can't emotionally involve myself with it. Just I, I just don't really again, it's not something that I care to see. Again, it, it makes sense in the wider universe. It's just not something I can emotionally connect to. So what does all that have to do with anything? Well, it circles to Kotaku in an article that 
again, is labeled as news, and it's less news than uh, opinion. So the title of this thing is, and again, this is labeled as news. The title of this thing is Homophobes Are Review Bombing The Last of Us Show. Subtitle is The Straits Are Not Happy About Being Forced to Watch Gay Men Have Normal Human Interactions With One Another. So, off the rip, it's like lambasting you if you're not super into it. <laughs> uh, and then some of the examples are... They don't, it doesn't make sense to me that, you know, you can automatically call this, call these people homophobes. Um, so here is one of the examples I chose to, to use in this article. Actually, we have two, two examples here. So the first is, quote, we spent almost 50 minutes on a romantic story that doesn't benefit the main story, wrote one reviewer. The second is, quote, this episode had nothing to do with The Last of Us, end quote. Which, I mean, both are kind of true. It, we, Bill and Frank have nothing else to do with the story. They're, they're not going to move it forward at all. Uh, so, it, in that sense, it, <laughs> it didn't really add much, you know, but... Also, at the same time, it was it was a good kind of break from the main characters. It's it's not it was a decision that you don't typically see, right? It was like a little mini movie uh, inside of a wider show, which is why I appreciated it. It 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 did add nothing. It really could have been cut down to uh, a brief mention. But getting that background and that backstory was a, it was a nice break from Joel and Ellie. Um, so that's kind of where I stand. But those two quotes aren't they're not homophobic for existing. So this article is about how anybody that you know is putting up negative reviews about episode three is homophobic. It just it's absurd because those two those two comments have nothing to do with the fact that Bill and Frank are gay. They have everything to do with the fact that it, it it doesn't add to the main story at all. So, which is true and you can be offended by that, but it's, it's just true. We're never, we're never going to see Bill and Frank again. So (laughs) they take, they take the truck and they move on. That's it. That's, that's the, extent of Bill and Frank on their influence on Joel and Ellie. But, you know, it's, it's, there are also people out here who just don't want to see, uh, gay characters, right? So here's, here's one that actually fits this title quote, again, just another instance of the small minority of gay people exerting their influence on in Hollywood to push their agenda on the world. And another one, uh, although this again isn't isn't homophobic per se. Quote a cheesy chapter full of agenda and absolutely unnecessary. I mean, again, it wasn't necessarily it wasn't entirely necessary to show that story, but it was a good story nonetheless. So I mean, it 
it fits with The Last of Us in the sense that The Last of Us puts things out there unabashedly that they know is go- are going to make people uncomfortable. And then we have to have these discussions, which is, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good way to start a conversation around something that everybody, I would say most people universally love. Uh, It's Neil Druckmann and the rest of the writing team are pretty, they're pretty good at, at bringing people together and then asking them, dividing them and then asking them to have the conversation which is, it's nice. It's it's a it's a good way to, again, start these kinds of conversations. Uh, it didn't that one, to me, felt a little forced. Like Robin and I were talking about it, and she's like, "Isn't it, isn't it more romantic that these two people found each other because they're gay in an apocalypse?" And I'm like, "Isn't it kind of extra unlikely that they found each other?" But Again, at the end of the at the end of the day, it's it was a good story. Uh, I don't think people should be against the show or against even having told that story. It doesn't add to the narrative of Joel and Ellie at all. But that show would be missing something without that episode. It just wouldn't be the same without that episode. So, anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about today. I'll close it out there, and uh, we'll pick this up on Monday. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk to the other guys and uh, discuss Hogwarts Legacy for the 18th time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll, We'll see what happens over the weekend, and we'll catch you on Monday. Peace.